You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Hope Church Frankfurt. If you want more information about our church, text HOPE23 to 55498. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 17. And uh, we're going to read a few verses. It's going to be on the screen behind me. If you don't have your Bibles, you can go ahead and follow along. It says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may hold of life that is truly life. Title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this, Treasures in Heaven. Treasures is in Heaven. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for what you're doing in our church, and I pray today that you would be glorified. I pray today that if there's any words that are from me, that they would be quickly forgotten, but things from you would be forever remembered. We thank you today that you are good, and we pray that you would be glorified in our mission. We ask that you would turn this Sunday into a holy Sunday where we can catch a glimpse of your heart and of your vision for this world. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Paul is writing to his mentee, Timothy, and he's directing him how to lead the church. Timothy is leading the church in Ephesus, which is some 100,000 people. And so you can imagine there was probably some issues happening in this church. And so check out what he says to him. He says, listen, command those who are rich in this present world. And now before you check out and you're like, all right, that's not me. Like, don't worry about that. I'm cool to not pay attention for the next few minutes. Paul commanded this. He said, check out or command those who are rich in this present world. So those who are rich in this present world. So the question is, is that you? Is that you? And that's difficult because it's a moving target, right? It's a moving target, isn't it? A wealth is a moving target. What does it really mean to be rich? Luckily for us, we have people who do studies. Gallup did a study on what does it mean to be rich to a particular person. And basically every single person that they uh, gave this survey to said the person who was rich was someone who made double their salary. So if they made $40,000 a year, it was someone who made eighty. If they made a hundred, it was someone who made two hundred. If they made two hundred, it was someone who made four hundred, and that continued up into the millions. It was crazy. They just kept being like, "Whatever rich is, I know it's double what I got." Right? Like that's just what they kept kept thinking. And it's interesting that they just continually felt like rich was double what they had, because ninety nine percent of the time, if you ask someone, "Are they rich?" they're going to say no. However, statistically, if you live on more than $2 a day, you're in one of the top 25% earners in the world. And if you're here in this room today and you make over $50,000 a year, you're one of the top 1% earners in the entire world. So I'd say most people in this room would be considered blessed by the world's standards. But Paul is not writing this about how much you make. It's not about a monetary value. It's about something so much deeper. It's about the value that you put on money and the value that your life is about. 
Timothy would have known exactly what Paul is talking about because Paul is really echoing what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to have it on the screen for you. Matthew, oh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So if we're going to store up in heaven, as Jesus says, and not here on earth, there's a few things that we need to do. The first thing is this. We need to realize that God knows everything. That's point number one. We need to realize that God owns everything, right? Isn't there a difference between owning and leasing? How many of us can, can do you remember the last time maybe you never leased anything in your life? But there's a big difference between owning and leasing. Right, like I was listening to a podcast this week, and this guy was talking about how at the beginning of every all the housing market craziness in the past few years, he and his wife got in, and they were able to buy a house for all cash, really cheap. And then three years later, the house was worth a hundred thousand dollars more than it was when they bought it three years earlier, which is insane, right? And so he's like, "All right, we were at this house, and it was great. We had all this equity, we had all this money." But, and he said this on the podcast, I kid you not, it was so shocking. He goes, but I just got tired of changing my own light bulbs. And I was like, what? He goes, so we sold the house and moved back to an apartment because I don't want to have to change my own light bulbs. I want to call the apartment manager. I'm thinking to myself, whoa, this is, this is crazy. That's the difference between owning something and leasing something. And you're telling me that's too difficult for you? I mean, come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, that's a little bit, uh, I, I didn't understand it. That's all I say. You know what I mean? So I deleted the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. I just skipped. So it, it, there's a difference between owning and leasing, right? What he's really trying to say is, I don't want to have to deal with all of the problems of home, home ownership. Can I get a good amen from anybody who has had a pipe burst? Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down, right? You're like, ah, there's a difference between owning and leasing. It's not my problem when I'm leasing. It's their problem. It's my problem when I'm owning. It's very different. And I think sometimes when we're looking at this and we think God owns everything, it's tough for us because it's tough for us to really believe that we don't own everything that we have and everything we get we deserve. I think a lot of times we do feel that way. Everything I get I deserve. Not the bad things. Those I definitely didn't deserve. But the good things I really do deserve. Right? We have that perspective sometimes. The difference is this. A lot of times we look at the earth and we look at this, this church and this life that we're living as we are the owners of it. It's ours to control and do with as we wish. And we do have free will. The Bible does talk about that. You have free will. However, the Bible also says that you are a steward for God's grace and God's love and God's mission here on earth. Your mission is to be a kingdom builder. And so he says, do not store up for yourself treasures here on earth. Store up your things in heaven. What does that mean? It means investing in things that are eternal. Investing in things that are greater than yourself. The things that we're doing here on earth is just renting time and space. This is just such a small monetary value or momentary value. We're here for just a little bit. I know it feels like a long time, but you're really here for just a short amount of time. What will you do with the time that you have? And if God owns anything, everything, 
then what fear do I have? I don't own this church. I may be the pastor of this church, but I don't own this church. God does. I don't own this property. I don't own the things that happen here. God does. The Holy Spirit directs and leads us. So there's no, there's, I'm not, I'm just here as a steward. And to me, what does that take? It takes the fear out of it. Because listen, if something breaks, thank goodness I don't have to be the one with a bank account to fix it. Come on, somebody. Because I know that God provides. I know that God is here. Check out this verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted head over all. It's just a beautiful verse of just reminding ourselves that God is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the first and the last. This is all his. And we are just here as stewards of it. And we can make such an impact when we're bold for the gospel. And one of the things that I wanted to do today, so this message is going to be a little different. I'm going to share with you a video in just a moment. The first, and this is a video of missionaries that you'll find in our Kingdom Builders packet that we currently support. And the things that they're doing. And they're over in Indonesia. And they're going to share with you the story of a movie theater that they were able to purchase in downtown Indonesia to be able to minister for the gospel, that their church is growing exponentially. And what they can do with someone who says, you know what, God, you own everything, so we're going to go after it. Check out this video. We are Ben and Kathleen, your missionaries to Bogor, Indonesia. By God's grace, we have been serving in Indonesia for the last 10 years. Four years ago, we planted International Church Bogor. We have seen lives changed, the lost reach, and many come to know Jesus. We planted IC Bogor as a way to mobilize as many people as possible to the mission, Indonesia for Jesus. We live and serve among the Sundanese people group. They're the largest Muslim unreached people group in the world. That means that there's less than 1% Christians among the Sundanese. Our province was hit by a devastating earthquake last year. Our church provided immediate aid to villagers there where there are literally zero Christians. We recently revisited these villages and heard heartbreaking stories of loss. Many families were in desperate need as other aid organizations had stopped their support, but our church stepped in and became a lifeline for them. This experience introduced these people to the love of Jesus for the first time. Now we're assisting an Assemblies of God pastor in planting a church in that village. vision for multiplication over the next four years. We believe that God is leading us to step out in faith for a permanent ministry center in our city. This will give us the opportunity to have a home for our congregation and plant a brand new Indonesian speaking church in the same facility. This means that we will go from one church to two in the next six months. 
God has opened up the door for us to rent a newly renovated movie theater that recently had to close its doors. This theater is strategically located and will enable us to reach hundreds of people in our surrounding area. In addition to all of this, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Indonesia has asked us to start a church multiplication network in Indonesia. We attended a CMN launch earlier this year in the U.S. with the Indonesian leadership. They caught the vision for multiplication, and we believe that this new network will enable us to equip, mobilize, and mentor church planters around the islands of Indonesia. The Lord said multiply, and we are preparing for a great season of harvest. We could not do this without you. Your prayers and support are making a huge impact in Indonesia. We are so thankful to be your missionaries and for entrusting us with this great task of winning Indonesia for Jesus. Come on, isn't that awesome to see? God owns everything, and he can make a way for a church all the way across the world. It'll make a way for them to be able to reach people and growing, and you're taking part in that through your gifts to them, for us, supporting them monthly. Second thing I want you to know, first thing is God owns everything. The second thing is this, is I want you to invest in something bigger than you. Invest in something bigger than you. That what it, that's what it means to be a kingdom builder, is to invest in something that is bigger than you. I think we understand this when it comes to certain things, right? I'll, I'll invest in something bigger than myself. When it, Maybe it's like I want to buy into, I want to own a part. This was a big thing in Wisconsin when we were pastors there. Everyone wanted to be an owner of the Green Bay Packers, right? They, they, their kid was born, they bought him an ownership and I thought, what are you doing? It's just such a waste of money, you know? And it turns out they're pretty good all the time, so that stinks. But it is what it is, right? But they, like, they wanted ownership. They want to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We all want that. We want to be a part of something that's bigger than us. And so how do we take part in that? How do we do this? We have to sacrifice in order to Move forward. We sometimes have to make sacrifices in order to invest in something bigger than ourselves. We understand this when it comes to the diet, right? There's certain foods that you cannot eat if you want to lose weight. We understand this financially. Like if I want to get the new car, I have to save. I have to cut expenses. I have to change this. I have to change the subscriptions. Like these are things that I have to do. I have to make sacrifices. But a lot of times I wonder if we make the same sacrifices and the same investments when we're talking about eternity. Jesus says delayed gratification here on earth 
is important because investing into the kingdom of God is eternal. And it's so much greater. And it goes so much farther than you could ever imagine. For what if we did this? What if we said, you know what, I'm going to invest in something bigger than myself. And it's going to take some sacrificing. So I'm going to go out to eat one time less a month. Maybe I'm going to give $50 to missions to kingdom builders every month. And if you're going out to eat for under $50, I don't know where you are. Or if you want to tell me where it is, please tell me if it's not McDonald's. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean, right? It, it, what do I need to do? I'm going to sacrifice. I, we had students in our last ministry who said, I'm not going to go to Starbucks anymore. And I said, that's a big sacrifice, especially because that's like the watering hole. That's where everyone goes. You know what I mean? It's where all of the children go after school. If you haven't been to the Starbucks in Frankfurt, please enjoy it. It's a zoo, right? But they said, I'm going to do that $5 a week or $5 a month, and I'm going to sacrifice and give that to missions. Invest in something bigger than yourself. How can you do that? There's a couple different ways you can do that. You can be a priority giver and say, you know what, this is going to be the priority in my life. I'm going to make this sacrifice to the Lord, and I'm going to say I'm giving to kingdom builders, and I'm giving to the house of God. You can do it through a percentage, right? I know some people who say, you know what, I know the tithe says 10%, but I just simply can't do 10%. So I'm going to start off with two or with six or with five, right? A percentage. That's cool. I'm with you. Do that. Start at a percentage. Just make sure it's like an even number. You know what I mean? Like don't do like 1.75 because then math comes in and you just won't do it, right? They're like, I'm going to give 2.75. I promise you, you won't give anything because that's just... Math is hard, right? Be a progressive giver. Be someone who's constantly looking to give. Someone say, hey, where can I give? What can I give? How can I participate? We're going to give you many options. We have, I have many dreams and ideas this year of things I'd like to do, uh, events I'd like to do uh, that I'm not going to say yet because I don't, we don't have them in firm foundation. My wife has really encouraged me to stop saying things before we have them planned out. And... Uh, but we do have the winter retreat planned out, so please come to that. Come on. It's going to be exciting, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So youth, young adults, come to that. But we have so many different things we can do, but there's going to be so many different opportunities. But I want to encourage you, invest in something bigger than you. The third thing is this, focus on the eternal. Focus on the eternal. Philippians chapter 3, this is another letter from Paul, and he's, I'm going to share with you a couple verses that he's sharing with the church there, starting in verse 18. For as I have often told you before, now let me tell you again with many tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is in their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul he, he's sharing with them, listen, so many people, their God is their stomach or their God is their shame, right? Their destiny is destruction because of this. And I don't think Paul is just talking about food. I think he's talking about our desires. Because what happens is, is when our desires are focused on us and when our desires are focused on what can happen here on earth, they take control of us. And ultimately, I believe they do destroy us. Our desires can destroy us from within. Look at the story in the Bible in, in Genesis with Jacob and Esau. 
Jacob is the younger brother to Esau. Esau is the brother who's older, who has the birthright, who's going to get the blessing. Esau was a hunter, and he comes in from the fields. He comes in, and Jacob is making some lentil stew. He's making a bowl of beans. And Esau says to him, listen, I'm so hungry from hunting. I need something. I have this desire. I need something. Please give me some of your beans. And Jacob, being much smarter than Esau, says, I'll give you some beans. Give me your birthright. Esau says this, what good is my birthright if I'm going to die of hunger? That's literally what he says. I'm just, I mean, was there not something else you could eat, right? Like he's, this guy's being so dramatic. But what is this in imagery of? His desire was so great. This bowl of beans in this moment was so important to him, he gave up his birthright. And what did it say? Esau despised his birthright for a bowl of beans. He gave it up. So many times we give up what our life is all about. We give up these things because of our hunger, because of food, because of our stomach, because of our desires. I can't do it. And this is important. This is why we do a fasting. This is why we say, hey, we're going to fast these things because we're going to deprive ourselves of these things in order to remind us who's really in control. Who's really in control. I don't know about you, but the past 14 days have really been like, whew, there's a lot that I'm not in control of. I'm learning a lot about myself. I've talked to a lot of you who've said that I'm learning a lot about myself. These are the things that I go to comfort myself but where should I be going? I should be going to God. Esau gave away his birthright. A lot of times, I think when we just are run by our stomach or we're run by our desires or we're run by our shame, it leaves us short-sighted. We need to think deeper. We need to think bigger. We need to think more. What are you investing in? What are you living for? And today I want to show you another video. This is from our dinner church in Marquette Park. Pastor Ben, if you've ever met him before, he's awesome. He came here and shared about dinner church. He's played bass for us, and he's just an incredible guy. And there's a video that they did on a day in a life of a dinner church pastor. And so I wanted to give you a little insight of why we support the dinner church. We're focusing so much more on the eternal through Indonesia, all the way to the city of Chicago. So check it out, a day in the life of a dinner church pastor. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. The name of the game is to seek and save the lost. So if we call ourselves serious Christians, if we're serious about the Lord and the freedom and the salvation that we found in Jesus, it only makes sense to start getting our hands to the plow. So we are preparing for Hope Community Dinners. We are on our way to the city from the suburbs where we just picked up a bunch of donations from Whole Foods. And we are going to prepare dinner for our community tonight. I think our mission's pretty clear. We want to set the table for our community to experience the gospel and the 
abundant love and grace of Jesus Christ. If a newcomer comes into the room, what the first thing that they'll notice is worship music. For the full hour that we meet, we have a musician playing guitar or piano and singing. What that does is it sets a really peaceful atmosphere. And the second thing that they would notice is community. The third thing that you would find is a table full of food. We also offer donations as well. The fourth thing somebody would see is a speaker. About halfway through the dinner, the speaker, the pastor, whoever is sort of the leader of the dinner will get up in the middle of it and tell a story about Jesus and offer a prayer of favor and healing. The fifth thing that you would see is somebody doing art. Whatever medium they choose, they're choosing to convey a gospel message. Overall, Dinner Church is a very visceral experience. At this point, we're just finishing up crossing T's, dotting I's. We took care of most of the cooking prior to today. So now it's just getting things prepared to ship, making sure that we have all of our stuff. We have two dinner churches, two community dinners that meet every week. One is here in Pilsen where our main kitchen is located. And then one is in Marquette Park. To keep it all consistent and easy, we cook one meal for both locations. Start to finish a whole meal for 150 people within a four to six hour span of time. On Racine, if you look at the building, it's it looks cool and it's like this old bank looking building. But the part that's amazing about this building is the people that have come before that saw the potential that this building can serve and decided to invest into this building. I mean, we have state-of-the-art appliances here and to be able to use this place as a hub to service for now two communities with more potentially on the horizon, this building is a blessing you know, we don't want to get rid of assembling together and the worship and the beauty of meeting on a Sunday morning is awesome, but like dinner church is a viable option for those pastors out there struggling to find what, what is the next thing. I feel like our leaders have our back, no doubt. Ron and Roy and Phil, they see the value in this, championing us to keep going. As far as like the rest of the district go, like, man, Speed the Light super came through for us. Just be able to launch Marquette Park with hot boxes, with a PA system. There's a ton of stuff that go into launching that you never think about. We've got our food cooked, transported. We're getting ready to feed our neighborhood and to spread the gospel. So I hope you have enjoyed watching this process and God bless. Amen. Isn't that cool? How many of us have ever been to the dinner church here at church? Ever been there? Awesome. The dinner church is just such a cool place to go. It's on Tuesday nights. And uh, they do it every single week. Recently, both of them, the Pilsen and the Marquette Park Dinner Church, have been having around 60 to 70 people show up every single Tuesday uh, for community dinner. And just a, such a cool opportunity to be able to participate in what's happening around the world and around the corner here in the city of Chicago. Like I said, I, I just want to maybe go through the packet. If you have that packet, I want to share a couple things with you as we close here today. If you didn't get one, make sure to grab one on the way out. But as you're flipping through there, you can kind of see a few things. Um, we can see our missionaries that we support. We have the Strusses that we're supporting monthly, the Woolies that we're supporting, Monica and Gonzalez, we're supporting her again this year. And then our new couple is the Hansons. They're in 
Chicago Chi Alpha, and uh, we have, are supporting them as well as they are going to reach people on the uh, community of Columbia in uh, downtown Chicago, the College of Columbia. So it's a great time to be able to minister with them. Also, if you see, there's a few projects that we have. Uh, obviously, we've continued to do Operation Christmas Child, and uh, we have this new project called Charity Water, and that's one thing we'd love to support is they are an awesome organization that provides water uh, for all people all over the world in so many different areas of the world. They provide wells, they dig wells, they do so many incredible things, uh, and so we'd like to make a donation to them this year. Also, you can see uh, through we have, we're fighting human trafficking as well through Project Rescue. Project Rescue is another organization where they go out and rescue girls and children who have been sold into the sex trade, and they rescue them and rehabilitate them, get them counseling, get them healing, get them jobs. There's so many incredible things that they do as well. And also you can see in there we have the dinner church, so we're supporting both of the dinner churches. Um, I really felt like last year I wanted to place the goal high, and as I was praying about what we have this year, uh, I, I felt like God was like, let's keep going. Let's keep going with the goal. So you can see the need that we have there in your booklet. It, it really accounts to everything monthly that we're going to be giving to the missionaries. Uh, this is really the need that we have. This is the money that we've committed to them this year that we'd like to give to them. And then the $20,000 goal would include all of the other projects. So what we like to say here at Hope Church is we grow at the speed of our generosity. We're going to do those projects if we can. If we don't have the funds, we will not do those projects. We'll just push them off into the next year. Um, if you want to give to a specific project or a specific missionary, you can certainly do that. We always have Kingdom Builders packets in the back. But today I just wanted to ask you to prayerfully consider how much you would like to to invest into the kingdom. We talked about it as God owns everything. It's his. And we want to invest in something bigger than us. And we want to live for something eternal. Something that surpasses us. Something that continues greater than us. We want to invest in that. So I want to ask you, you should have in your packet that you got is a commitment card. Um, we're not going to be chasing you down if you fill this out. Um, but just as a, a promise to say, hey, this is what I want to, would like to give. Um, if this is your first time or if you've never given in this way before, I would like you to take that home and pray over it, consider it, talk about it, talk about what you would like to do if you would like to do anything at all. We just believe in generosity here. I just believe there's something that great that happens. And we are a generous church. You saw we beat our goal last year. Our goal was 10000 We gave $12,000 to missions in one year. It's so cool to see what God is doing. But how much more does he want us to grow? How much more can he do in us and through us? And we got to get creative if we're going to think about something bigger than us. And listen, this is really a huge goal and it's an important goal because we're still a really a baby church when you think about it. Here's what I like to say about our church when I'm explaining it to other pastors. I say we're a baby church with a rich heritage, a rich family history. Look all the way back to the beginning of this church. We have people who have been here since the beginning, like Miss Jeanette who's been here since literally they were building the place, right? We have everyone, we have, we have all the way through the years, so many different people have been here. But as we're starting, we just started two years ago on September 17th, 
or coming up on that this year. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary. We're still a baby little church growing and figuring out our way. What is the legacy that you want to leave? What is the rich heritage that you want to be a part of? That's the question. What mark do you want to leave on eternity this morning? I'm going to ask with heads bowed, eyes closed, we pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray today that you would stir our hearts, God, that you would challenge us, that we would say, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment this year. I'm going to give to this packet. I'm going to pray over this packet. I'm going to go to dinner church when they give us the opportunity. I'm going to go and take part in these events because I believe that my time here on earth is best invested in the kingdom of God, not in myself, not in my desires, but in God's kingdom come and his will be done. God, thank you that we are a church that's just fresh and new, but we have a rich heritage and a rich family line, deep roots. God, thank you for the roots of this church. Thank you for the opportunity to be here in Frankfurt. Thank you for this land that we have this church on every single week. We don't want to take it for granted because we know you own this place. We just want to make this your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new messages. Thanks for listening. God bless.